Podcast. My name is Neil Sherwin and I'm delighted to be joined by the dynamic duo of Donna Jeffrey and Blaine Treadgold. Guys, it's been a few weeks uh, since we had a chat and got around the table. I've been on holiday, which was very, very nice. So uh, it's, it's um, a bit of a reality check to be sat with you guys now. I mean that in the <laughs> nicest possible way. Good to see you, Neil. How was the trip? It was very good. Very good. Lots of, uh, lots of sport in the US and actually got to go to some MLS and see what I would love the future to be like in Perth if we had a 70,000 seater rectangular stadium You're with lots of people. Would we? Probably not, no. But one thing I would like to, one thing I would love, and it was, it was something that um, the penny kind of dropped at me when I was there, is I've always known about tailgating in, a, in an American football sense, but to see it in MLS firsthand in Atlanta, that stuff, that stuff is crazy. Car park full of people with their cars, cooking barbecue, Eskies, fancy dress parties, chanting, march to the stadium, smoke bombs, flares, all the good stuff. I actually bumped into the Copa 90 guys there who were uh, doing a bit of a, a, a documentary on, uh, on Atlanta and football there. And if you get a chance, have a look at it online. But if we had that in Perth, we certainly got the climate for it. You need to go and uh, get onto Wilson Parking, Donna, and see if we can get a car park where we can get all the fans <laughs> in on a, on a do some tailgating get the booze flowing before Absolutely. a game on a march to the stadium it's certainly something different and uh and it was it was good to experience it firsthand so yeah yeah good trip overall um but yes while i was away there was plenty of football to talk about and we're going to catch up on all the perk glory stuff now we've also got a, a special guest coming up in the second half uh, second part of the podcast uh, where we can uh, we can have a, a look at one of the uh, the most informed players in the competition so Perk Glory, top of the table, six games in, four wins, two draws. Lane, we have uh, zero losses. So yes, superb start to the season, isn't it? Um, not always been pretty, as we saw on the weekend, but just seems to be getting the job done. Um, I think at the start of the season, if you had said that we'd, we'd be in an undefeated position coming six games in, I think we'd be... Uh, <laughs> We uh, take that in an instant. So um, I'm just laughing because of my prediction at the start of the season. That's really Remind funny. us. Oh, I really want to take it back, <laughs> but I can't. Where so did you say? Did finish? Um, eighth, I think I said eighth. But, Around there. Um, yeah. Well, Not looking so good now. Well, you, you drew against Wellington, didn't have the best of games, so maybe this is the. the there's turn there's of the already a, a bit of a significant gap to eighth spot. It's uh, it's nine points after your six games. We have to a slip up of what maybe maybe there might be some sort of points deduction. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> the ghosts of Christmas past. Um, but no, it's uh, it's been a really really good start, and it's yeah. I guess it's been um, it's it, one thing to take away is the, the, the level of disappointment um, from the weekend's game. Blame where people were, were were kind of unhappy not to take three points from Wellington. It shows where we've come in the space of a, a couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the expectations have um, certainly been higher since Popovich has come in, and I think um, not just around the the fans' expectations, but the playing group expectations. I can't imagine that um, they would be too happy with their performance. Um, what did we put it down to? I'm not sure whether it was the travel, whether it was um, you know missing a couple of key players in Juande, um, and then I'm not having guys like Castro fully fit. Uh, still, the Branovic. It was good to see Sanslav come back in, but we're still not there in terms of. Uh, full complement on the park, I don't think. Um, but yeah, no, you're right in terms of uh, where we've come from in terms of expectations. Yeah, Donna, you go away to Wellington. Uh, I think as Tony Popovich mentioned, you know, tough place to go. All those usual cliches about the the far trip to um, to Wellington. Going back with a point, satisfactory. Um, yeah, because it's it's not exactly an easy trip for the for the lads. I think um, Phoenix away is hard for for anyone really. Um, but more so for the Perth team. So I think a draw is good, but I think um, the reason, you know, Perth Glory fans and supporters are so disappointed is because of the results that we've had 
um, leading up to that and the expectation that all of a sudden they've got that they want the team to perform and it wasn't their best performance. It was, that's what I was going to say, it wasn't just the result, it was a really poor yeah. performance in, in uh, consideration of what we've seen earlier exactly, in the season. Yeah. Um, I think um, Rutan did a perfect job in trying to work us out. He had them pressing high, Absolutely. we couldn't play through their yeah. press very easily at all. We had to come back to ready, they were putting ready under pressure. Um, and one of the points that I brought up in the week was um, I thought this might be a danger game because the lack of mobility Absolutely. in terms of the back three, I thought when you've got guys like um, Krishna running at them and uh, Singh and those kind of lads, um, they could certainly do some damage and we certainly saw that in the first half. Yeah, they were, they were um, um, the best 30 minutes I've seen them play I thought they were outstanding. Wellington. I thought um, Wellington were really, And they really matched good. player for player and they just didn't give you guys any opportunity to get on the ball, um, which was which was good to see that, you know, um, Mark Rudin's, or Rudin, if that's what they call him over Whatever there. Yeah, what he did with them. And I think they would be happy with the point considering where Glory's sitting and the results that they've been achieving. And you can go back to the Central Coast game as well. Um, you know, you guys were looking to come away with a point to a last-minute goal. So, um, again, I think they'd be very happy with that. I was going to say, it's two games that we've missed with, uh, without uh, Juwande now, and I think yeah. it's... it's probably highlighted the important role that he plays as that um, defensive mid. Yeah, look, you, you, when you go to Wellington, um, you, do, you do need a bit of solidity in the team. And as, as you pointed out, there was a, maybe a, a lack of pace at the back. And you're also missing your preferred choice as a holding midfielder. So they're important factors. Um, we, we spoke a lot at the start of the season about the depth and that, that had been built in the squad. And that's being tested already um, with a few players missing. Uh, it's... Uh, it's it's a it's a bit of a worry, you know, to lose Alex Grant for a significant period. I, I would suggest that Scott Neville would have been first off the first cab off the rank to maybe add a bit of pace to that back three if he was fit. But obviously he's, he's out injured. for he's he's out as well. And as we, as Blaine mentioned, Wanda's uh, on the sideline, and um, whether he comes back in this week or we, we don't know. Um, it's the standard um, the standard Friday or whatever the team news gets released, and everybody's listed as a one to one to two week injury. Um, and then you don't see them for six months. So it, it is going to, to, to test Laurie a little bit. The positive being that Castro got more minutes under his belt, so he can come into the starting lineup. And Chris Harold was back uh, out of the wilderness, so he, he could, be, could be a potential um, option there. So they do have a lot, of, a, a, lot of, a lot of players to shuffle around and plenty of options at their disposal. It does look like they're completely set on this formation um, to use in every game, whether it's home or away, the three at the back. You're attacking fullbacks in Davidson and Franich. I think that part of the problem at the weekend was the the, the two wing backs for Glory were were, were pegged quite deep um, and weren't allowed to get bomb on as much as they had been. I think Wellington did a pretty good job of making sure that Davidson in particular was um, was stuck in his own half more than he probably liked, and that then cuts off an attacking avenue for Glory. Uh, is it something that they've used qu- uh, quite well in the first few weeks? So. Wellington did did their job very well. Andy Kyo was was in his hundredth game, which is a fantastic achievement. It's a hundred games and forty four goals. Uh, it's a really good return for any striker. But they did resort to just pumping the ball up to him in the first half, and it was a case of knocking it long, hoping for a flick on, and maybe someone gets in round the back. And it seemed that they went away from a bit of the. They, it was a little bit of frustration, maybe keeping in that they weren't having it their all their own way. So they decided to to go direct and go to hoofball. And, and blame we saw it. it didn't work at all. No, it was very, very one-dimensional. I got found out very, very easily. Um, you had guys like Durante, um at the back for Wellington Phoenix, just repelling, um, and even playing, starting to play the ball out themselves. They seem to seem to um, get the ball up the park a hell of a lot more easily than what we did. We seemed to struggle, really, really struggle with it um, to actually play football uh, out from the back. Yeah, and they kept Kilkenny quite quiet in the um, in the first 30 as well. Well, I think that's part of the yeah. reason was Ju- uh, not having Juwanda in the side, they who weren't. has to sit, who sits in that deeper role. Kilkenny, there wasn't that link with the, he, with the front he, third. Yeah, he's, you know, he's been outstanding this season, no doubt. Um, and he wasn't used as much, and I was, and, and Davidson as well. They just look like, they just had this game plan that just wasn't, wasn't working for them, and then it just got found out. I thought Kilkenny was still one of our best to, to give him full In credit. the end, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, he was just quiet because he wasn't getting anything given to him. It was, yeah, definitely. I think I think we'll learn a few lessons from it. Though we've been riding a bit of a crest of a wave for the first month of the season, and everybody's you know we'll go to Wellington and we'll beat them and we'll, we'll do we'll turn them over easy. It's not going to be all our own way, and there are still those defensive frailties. I know that 
Popovich is, is a defensive-minded coach and will go a long way to correcting the problems that we know existed in the last two seasons where they con- conceded more than 50 goals each time. But there are still some frailties there and, and they are conceding goals still. Um, it's still a, a little bit of a problem and you'd hope that maybe when Speranovic comes in, if, if he comes in in the next few weeks or before Christmas, that would be great. Uh, you'd hope that it would shore things up a little bit. And when they get their first choice three players um, uh, at the back, and then maybe it'll be a little bit, it'll be a little bit tighter. And even if one day isn't available, maybe Spranovic can play as a holding midfielder, and then that that's another option that we've got at our disposal. But until that happens, and with Grant as a say sideline for a while, and Grant has had a good good opening month of the season, I think he's played pretty well. Um, that's a loss. So we're going to have to ride with with Julbich, and we'll have to ride with Wilson until other players come in and, and that's the way it's going to be so it's about picking up good points on the road and I think the one at Wellington is quite good um, we do need to talk about one of the most fortunate well I think we believe as a group the fortunate incidents uh, that Gloria, Gloria probably will have all season and that was the red card for um, Ryan Lowry you can take the, the boy out of WA but he's still got our backs um, getting himself sent <laughs> off within minutes of coming on very harsh, Donna. Oh, so harsh. And I'm still hearing people try to justify it, and I'm not sure how you can justify that as a red card. I, I saw it instantly, and I was like, mm-hmm. and then I watched it again, I'm like, oh, no, you did not just do that. And the, the referee had the opportunity to be like, you know what, actually, this was a mistake. That's, you know. We, we had about 50 to 60 down at Rosio Grady's and pretty much it was um, conclusive that everyone just went, what the hell? Um, Which is you know, good to hear that yeah, people that's, actually that's, thought that's, that. You probably yeah. your most passionate Perth fans, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so that's, that's, what, um, that's my thinking. And then I speak to people, um, one being my husband, he's like, I can see why they gave it. I'm like, please. It's not a red card nah, to me. Look, there's, there's, there's laws in the game and... Yes, you need to adhere to them, but there's also the common sense factor with a re- with, with referees. I mean, it was actually his second movement that got the player. Um, and his initial, I mean, his initial force had all subsided by the time he even got near Economides, I think it was. Yeah. And I don't think there was any malice in the challenge. I don't think it was particularly dangerous because he wasn't moving at a high velocity. Yeah, it's a foul. Give a free kick and you get on with it. But the issue was straight red card. A little bit. I could, I could even probably see the merit of a yellow, um, because it might have been deemed as reckless. Um, but well, I think to, to give to give red, a straight red card for that, if it even if it had been his fifth or sixth foul of the game, you could give it. You could give him something for persistent fouling, and he may have already been on a yellow, and it may be the type of game that he was having. And you say, right now, more. See you later. But he'd only come on as a sub. Maybe he had a little bit of adrenaline going, playing against his brother and playing against you know her glory, that kind of thing, sure. And that's where the referee needs to use common sense and give the guy the benefit of doubt and saying, look, it's a tight game. He's come on into it. It's what to him is probably a high-pressure situation, trying to make a good impression. He's made a bit of a silly dive into the challenge. but He hasn't gone in to kill anybody. It wasn't particularly malicious. It was a foul. Maybe give him a yellow card and tell him to calm down. And if he steps out of line again, you tell him, sorry, you're gone. Well, I think the referees need to be a bit more sensible and, and maybe have, I don't know to what level the referee has played the game, but I always think that's beneficial that you've got guys in there that maybe had a bit of a kick in when they played in, back in the day or, and know what the difference between somebody going in to, to, to hammer a player and somebody who's made an, a genuine attempt to play the ball. And I, I just think that, yeah, it was, it was an overreaction from the referee, not helped by the v, VAR Town to go and have another look at the incident because everything looks worse when it's slowed down. You start looking at replays for fouls and you start thinking, you start questioning yourself and saying, Absolutely. maybe I should have given a red card. And then you look at a slowed down version of it, you go and you, you, you convince yourself that it's a red and you go back and give the guy a straight red. And Glory benefited because they piled forward, they, they had a bit more space and the equalizer came. I think, I think a draw was, was a, Probably, Popovich said it was a fair result on the balance of play. Um, obviously, Mark Rudin thought, thought different and thought his side was robbed, which is which is his prerogative. But I, I think, yeah, Glory would be, were slightly blessed to get away with a point. And if they had gone on and nicked the game, geez, that would have been the biggest robbery I've seen in a long time. Because on the first half showing, they could have been a couple of goals down. Um, yeah, Nathan Burns, I think. if he scored those... <laughs> Yeah. Goals, they would have been yeah, so when you take everything yeah. into consideration, the very poor first half performance, 
the fact that they got a, a very fortuitous um, red card in their favour with, with not long to go and they, they snuck an equaliser. You've got to chalk that down as a point earned um, rather than two points dropped, I think. So you come back from Wellington, that trip's out of the way for now. Um, get a bit of a breather before we go again at home this coming weekend. And this weekend, who's in town? Well, with City, no, uh, City, but we're not sure of Fornaroli. Exactly. We don't know who's going to be coming over with uh, with Melbourne City. Hopefully it's not Bruno Fornaroli. They're coming off the back of a, a very strong win, and we'll talk about the um, the rest of the A-League in the uh, in the third part of the, the podcast. But just uh, looking forward to this week's game. It's uh, it's the, the, the preferred time slot, Saturday night. Yeah, so for me it is. It. Yeah. Yeah. We're, are we expecting... 12,000 well, minimum. Is well, there a Wildcats game on? I couldn't tell you. Um, no, they're on Sunday. Yes, they no are. No excuse. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so really they, they should be uh, they should be out in force for glory this weekend. I think seven o'clock's a great time. Weather's not gonna be too hot, I think it's like twenty six degrees, degrees yeah. on Saturday, so by, by kickoff it'll be lovely. Um yeah, I would I would be hoping for at least eleven and a half to get out and see this. Um because Gloria top of the table, they need they need the support to keep the momentum going. A lot of it is gonna be we 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 bang on about NIB being a fortress, um, but it's only really a fortress if the fans make it one and make it an intimidating place to come. Melbourne City are sitting fifth on the ladder. If they win, that would be a point behind Glory, and this is a team that's in turmoil and crisis apparently. And yet, if they come to Perth and get a win, they'll be a point behind Glory. So that's that's a bit of a, an incentive to go out there and do the job. On the flip side, if Glory win, they'll be seven points clear of a team that was deemed as a title contender at the start of the year. So. There's a hell of a lot to play for. You also want to preserve the only unbeaten record in the in the uh, competition. That's um, something to be proud of, and uh, and hopefully then get a solid defensive performance will will lead to a clean sheet. Um, as, as I said, they've conceded seven goals in in uh, in six games, so it'll be nice to, um, to to have a have a blank there this weekend. But we'll all be there. I believe. Absolutely. Yeah, there'll be yep. fan reactions after the game um, yep. outside the stadium as usual. Come have a chat for the guys. And we'll be doing Facebook, Twitter updates, the whole lot. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a good night. It, it, what more do you want coming into summer? You know, but a bit of Saturday night football, glory top of the league, good players. There's no excuses. It's the really not. Full, uh, despite whatever happened at Wellington, it's it's been a good season so far. Oh, I think it, you so just I use think, that as a learning curve. Yeah. But, so you know, just relative the new side, new manager. Exactly. It's the first probably. Game, um, you you wanted a new coach. You got a new coach. You yeah. wanted new players. You bought the new Take players. Take the good with the bad. So and keep rolling up. Come support. I, I think you, you get to the point, and it's probably better sooner than later when you do get a reality check like this. And if your reality check is going to be a draw away to Wellington. That's good. That's You'd good rather that be your reality check than a loss at home to Melbourne City or the Mariners or whoever it is. So if this, if we, we progress through the season and, and Glory get keep chopping up results, we'll look back on this and say that was actually a, a, probably a good thing to happen, a good little blip because you take stock of your position and you realise you're not going to run away with it because when Glory were four points clear last week, everyone's going, you know, give us the trophy now. You, you've, you've got a little bit of that mentality, but I think that that's just needs to be reined in a little bit because there's... Um, there's always going to be a few speed bumps, and we saw well, one at the weekend. According to Ray Gett, you can give it to Melbourne Victory yes. after one game. Well, chalk it down. They've got, despite the fact that they lost at home to Glory, they're still <sighs> waiting in the wings. We will discuss Melbourne Victory in, in part three um, of the show. Just going to touch on the uh, the Glory women briefly, Blaino, before we go into the break. What's happening this week? Uh, yeah, Thursday night, away to Adelaide, top of the league versus second. Uh, Glory girls sit, I think, a couple of points off the top there. Um, Adelaide had a tremendous result last week. Um, I think it was like a 97th minute winner yeah. to, to take a take a point over Melbourne City, who are the lowly Melbourne City um, this year in the W League. But um, yeah, I think they're pretty sure that game's on Fox or maybe even Viceland. So check your TV guys there and um, yeah, show your support for the for the Glory Girls. Yeah, they're doing uh, doing pretty well at the moment. Um, Sam Kerr and Rachel Hill banging in goals for fun. It's good to see a couple of names towards the top of the scores charts and obviously last night we had the news that Sam Kerr placed fifth in the inaugural uh, Women's Ballon d'Or award so it's a, it's a great achievement for her to to be recognised as one of the top players in the world some people will say she, maybe she should have finished higher and maybe she should have but for for the the first for the first instalment of of the uh, award to be recognised in that way at an international level you know it's a, it's a great achievement for someone from Perth and She's still doing the business um, on the pitch as well, and 
there's only six home games in the entire season for the W League, which is which is not a lot. So you don't have that many opportunities to go out and see her. Um, obviously, they're away this week, but next time they're in town, it doesn't cost much to go watch a women's game. I think, what, membership is like $60 or something? For yeah, the year, 60 bucks so. for the season. Um, I think that, obviously, they tried uh, the last home game, having it after an A-League game, a 7 o'clock kickoff on a Sunday night after an hour gap between them. Didn't seem to work. I think um, it's I a, think it's a the bad time. Yeah, it um, just came down to the fact it's a Sunday night. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, but having our gap yeah, in between. Two on a Saturday, yeah, yeah, and right. you'll be fine. I think last um, year they tried to have the women first, then the men. That didn't work, so they swapped it around, and I can see why they did that. Oh, I think it's but, more of a heat issue yeah. in case you do get that uh, that really hot day. Um, but uh, no, it's just, um, I really hope to, people do make the efforts to get down and, sit and support the, the Glory Girls. They're really going, um, you know, gangbusters at the moment as they still chase that uh, that elusive uh, grand final win. Yeah, and we'll also mention the, uh, the the youth league is going on at the moment. Um, Glory lost at the weekend two one away to Adelaide United, so they they've had a couple of defeats in that, but they're um, they're playing games in and around Perth as well every second week. So um, they have an even shorter season, but. Pop down and have a look. Matt Speranovic is playing for them at the moment. I'm not sure what, what his status will be this week, but he's played the last two games. So an opportunity maybe to go down and check out his progress as he looks to make a return to fitness and, and some of the other kids that are hopefully form um, part of the squad in the future. So there's plenty of um, plenty of football going on, um, glory-related football as we head towards Christmas. Uh, that's where we'll leave part, uh, part one. Um, in part two, we're going to have a chat with, uh, well, one of the, the superstars of the competition at the moment. You're listening to the Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. There's just time for one more thrust forward for Perth. Thrown in by Davidson. Comes to kill Kenny. To Davidson, tried to flick it over the top. O'Neill tried to get in the way. Castro has it. To kill Kenny on the left hand side. He gets past one. Puts the cross in. Kenny throws the bicycle kick. Welcome back to the uh, Far Post Perth podcast. As I mentioned before the break, we're joined by one of the, uh, the well, it's, we won't big his head up too much just yet. We'll, we'll, we'll progressively get bigger as we ask him the questions. But it's Perk Laurie Stryker and uh, Socceroos International, Chris Economides. Chris, thanks a million for taking some time to, uh, to talk to us. How's the, how's the head after the, the trip to Wellington? Oh, it was, uh, it was a long trip, as everyone knows, but... Uh... You know, the boys have recovered well and we're already thinking about City on uh, on Saturday. I think the question on everybody's lips at the moment after the weekend is how was your first experience of the world's biggest derby game? Oh, look, I was, personally, I, I didn't know what to expect and it's tough. It's uh, it's five hours um, time difference as well and just that alone, adjusting your body to the correct time is tough and getting the right hours sleep and recovery for the games is not easy but you know it's it's done and that's the only time we're doing it this year so I'm relieved it's over yeah i think i think we're as the fans it's a, it's always a game we know that it puts a lot of toll on the players so to come away with a point um obviously you want to go and win every game but with the way the game panned out having been down so early on and and then getting a, an equalizer towards the end are you satisfied to come back with that result, or do you think you left a bit out there? Yeah, look, after after the first first half performance, I think we'll be happy to go away with a draw. They, they were on top of us in the first half, and I think the way we responded in the second half as we um, we kept our cool and, and played our way back into the game, we can be pleased with. And, um, yeah, obviously we're happy to, to keep the unbeaten run after, after six rounds. We have to ask you about um, just your your circumstances because we get told here in Perth quite a lot that nobody wants to come to live here it's too far away there's nothing to do it's boring what made you come to Perth and and why we we know that you've committed to a three-year contract it's a, it's a big leap of faith both from yourself and the club what were the, the factors you took into consideration with that um the factors were obvious, obviously the footballing decision was the main one apart from it being a beautiful city and everything like that 
Um, but it was just the the kind of buzz that was around the club. It was the signings they'd made. It was the, it was the coach. It was it was everything about it. I think it wasn't just one particular thing. It was it was a it was a bunch of things that that came together and and for me just just stood out as the right club to go to. It wasn't the opportunity to hang out outside the bell tower and that sort of thing on a. That on as well. That as well. <laughs> to see the beautiful beaches in Perth. A little charm like that. Um, as you say, it's a lot to do with the football, and, and we've noticed that as well in terms of the players speaking about pre-season and obviously the signings coming in. We've brought in a lot of international quality players, so the, the standards uh, improve right across the board. Um, you, you've played, uh, you've got a lot of experience in, in Europe at such a young age in Europe and a bit in Australia as well and around the international setup. Um, is this in, in the sort of environment you feel that you can develop as a player in? Because we do often have questions about players who come back to Australia at a young age and make that decision instead of, you know, trying to pick up a contract somewhere in Europe or somewhere a little bit more obscure. Um, as I said, you've come here for th- you say for three years. You obviously are, are happy with how this can develop you as a player. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think you just need to look at the the squad of players we've got and. And you can only imagine how high the standard of our trainings and games are. So being in that kind of environment will help. Also working with coaches that have 100% attention to every single detail of, of my game, even if I think I've had a good game and I've scored two goals or whatever, they, they'll bring me back in the, on the Monday and, and run me through the things I need to improve. And, and that's what I was looking for. And ultimately, at my age, I want to be improving and, and being the, the, the best player I can be. So I think... From what I've seen so far, it's been the best decision I've made. Yeah, Chris Blade here, mate. Um, you would have heard we uh, ran into your uh, your big brother <laughs> after the game on uh, yes. last week, mate, who seemed to enjoy himself for his 25th birthday. Obviously, it um, would be good to come back to somewhere that you've got a bit of family close to you. Yeah, he was uh, he was very happy with his interview um, after the game. Uh, I think he had a of beers so he didn't really know what he was talking about but um yeah it's good to be back with family after being overseas for for six seven years and and you know it's um it also helps you perform on the pitch i reckon he's just being relaxed and happy in your in your home life as well yeah absolutely obviously um just going back a little bit obviously you left home quite a bit uh, of an early age and you you went over to atalanta in italy there and then you headed over to lazio we're talking about the distance derby tell us a bit through um you know your experiences when you go up to get lazio against roma and those kind of games yeah, it was unreal. You know, um, being a young boy from Sydney, growing up in in a culture that's not always football dominated, is um, it's unreal to experience that culture over there, where where football is life, and and to be a part of it, and to play in the derbies there, and to to come through the youth system at such a prestigious club. You know, I think that that adds years of experience on my resume, which um, you can only go from from going and doing an experience like that. Were there uh, any players or, or even coaches over there that, that maybe made you stop and think, "Wow, I'm I'm actually you know playing against them or alongside them"? Was there anyone that you know that you, you kind of figured you could learn a lot from in that environment? Yeah, hundred um, percent. I think one of the the biggest moments for me was when I was walking out the tunnel for my debut for Lazio, and um, I was a freshly faced twenty year old or nineteen year old, I can't remember, and um, I was walking alongside Closer. Miroslav Klose, the striker, and um, just seeing the stadium and, and seeing him just, you know, comforting me on the pitch was uh, was a really unreal experience. I'll never forget it. Yeah, that's not a bad um, a bad player to have uh, to have holding your hand on the way out the tunnel, Miroslav Klose. Yeah, of course. Um, no, that's that's great. And just t- talking about the uh, your form this season, you've got four goals, two assists. Uh, it's a really good return. But like any striker, I'm sure you're hungry for more. Of course, you know, um, it's, it's only been six games. I've only had five starts so far. And, um, you know, we're just getting started. I want to I wanna get in the thick of it for the, for the rest of the season. So hopefully there's uh, much, many more nice moments to come. You're playing up front with, with a, an international player, Andy Kyo. Um, does, does having a, players like him and, and other player, experienced players like Castro around help the dynamic of the squad when there's so many new players coming in and you're trying to settle into a, into a team? Because there's, there's been a lot of changes in the off-season, but a few of those guys have been around, Shane Lowry as well. Is it, it's important to have a spine of a team there to help you guys get into the, into the groove? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, they are they're they're the core of the team. They they help it. They help everyone settle in. They help um, everyone keep their head in, even when it's um you know high pressure situations. So 
you know, I think everyone uses their experience in that they've had in their years of career and it benefits the team ultimately on, on match day. How have you made made, um, made out the standard of the competition at the moment? Obviously, you were here a little bit with Western Sydney last year. Um, but do you, do you think that the, the you've come back, so you've put your faith in it to develop you, and, and it's a, a big commitment from yourself. But do you think that the competition is developing at an adequate rate? Yeah, I believe so. I think it's improving even on last year. It's improved and what I've seen. Um, there's been some, some good players coming in from overseas, some good marquee players, as we've seen, like Honda and, and stuff like that. So, you know, hopefully it'll keep improving and um, I can improve with it. The uh, the big question we have to ask you is coming up to January and there's the talk of Socceroos selections and the Asian Cup. And you've got a little bit of a taste of international football and um, every player in your position, I'm sure, wants, wants more. Is that, is that a focus at the back of your mind when you're training or when you're going out into the park that absolutely you want to do everything for Perk Glory and, and win games, but that that might propel you into, into consideration again? To be completely honest, it is, it, is a, it is a dream of every player to play for his country, and I'm obviously hungry to get back in the soccer setup, but it doesn't really cross my mind in trainings and in games and stuff like that. You know, my, my main focus is my is my um, club career at the moment and, and doing well with them. And then obviously, if that's good, then you reap the benefits of, uh, of the national team as well. So my main focus is, is obviously Perth Glory and what will happen will um, will happen in good time. Chris, a lot of people are talking about um, Popper's style of um, coaching and the way he's on the training pitch and just in training in general. What's it like working under someone like Popper? It's fantastic. You know, that was uh, probably the biggest factor of, uh, of me coming to Perth. Um, and it was, uh, it's something that, that I enjoy having someone so, um, with such great attention to detail and, and someone who keeps you on your toes in every single session of every single day. So, um, you know, I'm really enjoying it so far. I'm enjoying my football, which, which, which is good. You know, every footballer wants to enjoy it. And, um, and the coaching staff has, uh, has been excellent so far with uh, helping me settle in and, and giving me all the, all the tools I need to, to perform on the pitch. Yeah, Chris, I was lucky enough to be at the Melbourne Victory game where you, uh, you scored that late winner and then, of course, at the Central Coast. But what I've noticed, mate, is you need to do a bit of work on that celebration. You seem to be a little bit <laughs> no, not, not sure about what you want to do with yourself. Is there any thoughts <laughs> into what you might come up with? Yeah, look, you're not the first person who's told me that. But uh, I'm coming up with some with some good celebrations, and hopefully you guys will see them soon. So oh, I won't tease what, what big, it's going to be. A big stage dive into the shed would always be appreciated, mate. Let me tell you. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see. Depends if the, if everyone throws beer on me or not. <laughs> uh, we won't keep you too much longer. Just got a quick one for you. Um, fans are always curious about what goes on behind closed doors, and you've come into a new environment with a, a load of new teammates. Can you tell us something a little bit quirky or a, or a bad habit you've noticed around the change room from any of your teammates? It's an opportunity to out somebody here and um, and get the fans on their back and maybe deflect from from yourself, uh, take some heat off yourself if you need it in the future. We can always point to that. Well, I'll tell you, there's a big fine fines culture. So so every little thing you do, you get a fine, and it's not a malicious fine. It's it's it goes towards an end of season trip or on or restaurants for the team dinners out. But, um, but there's a few stitch-ups there with people dobbing each other in. For example, you get a fine if your photo's in the paper or if you leave dirty socks on your spot in the change room. So <laughs> there's a few dobbers in the team, but I'm not going to say who they are. But um, <laughs> Dino is a, is a big call for it sometimes. But, so what's the fine for know. being on this sensational podcast, mate? Sorry? What's the fine for being on this sensational podcast tonight? Ah, uh, there's no fine for this one, thankfully. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't have taken it. <laughs> well, look, Chris, we really do appreciate your time and having a chat with us. It's uh, it's fantastic to to have you in Perth, um, scoring goals. It's you, I'm sure you can see the the buzz around the the city yourself. When Glory are winning, people are happy, and hopefully the crowds keep on building at NIB Stadium because we know we're onto a good thing with yourself and some of the other players that have come in. So uh, we're we're looking forward to uh, sitting on top of the ladder for a, for a good while yet. So look, thanks a million for your time and best luck for the season. Hopefully, we'll talk right, to you. Thank uh, you very throughout. much. Thanks for the support, guys. You're listening to the Far Post Perth. We'll be back after this. You're back with the Far Post Perth podcast. It's the uh, the final segment of this week's uh, episode. 
We're going to look at the rest of the A-League. Uh, six rounds in, lots of games played, lots of football, lots of great goals at the weekend. There were some absolute crackers. Um, so we'll, we'll go through the, the games and, and have a bit of a chat uh, about each of them briefly and, and give our thoughts and on the ladder as it stands. First up, we had the, uh, the Friday night game. It was Adelaide United and Brisbane Roar. Um, you mean WWE? Well, Roar, yeah, I was, I was yeah. kind of, you know, I think it was, it wasn't, it wasn't hard enough to be UFC, so maybe we'll stick with WWE for it. It was, um, it was a bit, bit handbags at times, and obviously a little bit serious with Stefan Mock, um, knocking himself out with a challenge, his own challenge, <laughs> which, which we can laugh about it now because the guy's okay, but it takes some effort to knock yourself out in the challenge. Um, so he's, he, he was up and he'll have a, He'll have a week off to uh, to consider what he did, uh, but yeah, Adelaide came through two one. Um, good result for them, I think, at home. Um, Brisbane have been doing okay, and Adam Tiger has been amongst the goals. But Adelaide shot themselves into in the fourth spot, and they're level with Sydney FC, just a point behind Melbourne Victory. So they're they're tipping away nicely. Um, Blaine, what did you make of the handbags and the little altercations between the, the two coaches on the sideline? It was yeah, it was good good viewing. It definitely was good viewing. Don't wave your hands at me, was yeah, it? Yeah, Aloisi getting into it, talking about the Italian. It's not the first time that they've they've no. got into it. They um they do it quite often. But um if you watch till the very end, they always shake hands, they always give each other a hug. And they walk away. It's just friendly. It's, it's in the motion. You, it's what you're, you a want to see, you're a coach you know I mean? defending and your team. And... You'd be annoyed if your coach wasn't standing up, Absolutely. you know, um, and your players and everything like that. I know I, it got a little bit. I couldn't understand what Badwell was saying. I was trying. They didn't put the the word. They just Kurtz. Kurtz. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's it. Kurtz. So they didn't just say what he was saying. So. Um, I, I like Kurtz. Um, I think you, having sat in with a press conference or two of him as well. I think he. He he te- he's very serious guy, very very serious guy. But is a bit of a straight talker, um, and I like him, and I like that he shows that sort of emotion on the sideline and and rattles a few cages. Um, but he's he's doing he's doing a good job. Um, they were we were curious as to where uh, where their goals were going to come from without without a proper you know out and out centre forward. But Ben Halloran is playing that role. And he stepped up in that game, so maybe they found an option and, and can be quite dangerous. Um, but yeah, that was a good result for them. And Brisbane will, will be disappointed not to take anything because you're already seeing um, a little bit of a gap open up between the, the top five and the bottom five. It's four points between fifth and sixth, and Brisbane are in that sixth spot. So they could be in danger of um, of, of losing pace uh, with, with the, the top sides if they don't get their act together. So yeah, they would have been disappointed with that Saturday. Um, Central Coast Mariners and Sydney FC. The Mariners went ahead. Matt Simon doing Matt Simon things. A very awkward goal. A few filthy challenges. Somehow it was enough to get him into Team of the Week. I'm sure <laughs> if that's the criteria we're working off. Um, you mean the Wizard of Woi Woi? Uh, yeah. Well, look, he's he's still look, he's, he's still chugging away. He scored a goal. He's one of those um, cult characters of the league, and uh, we'll, we'll probably be rolling with him for another few years. The way things are up, up at the Central Coast. But Sydney FC showed um, showed good resolve to come back. They they got a penalty which um, Jack Clisby gave away for foul and Ryan Grant. Which uh, there was no arguments with me no, for that. that um, yeah, it was a foul all day. Uh, uh, silly, silly from Clisby, blindsided by the fullback and just took a leg out. And sorry, that's that's penalty all day. And then Brandon O'Neill. For me, it was the goal of the week. Um, forget forget Bratton. Forget the one Donna's gonna. No, no, I thought this was goal Talk of the week. No, nah, Bretton for me. But no, no, this nah. goal on his weaker foot. Yeah, left peg. Yeah, just, seriously, I thought that he had was, a lot of time to look at it. Yeah, yeah, but it when you had the the more time you have on your weaker foot to think about it, the more chance you have of spanking the corner Absolutely. flag. Absolutely. <laughs> Most of the time, when you score with your weaker foot, it's done on it's done on a whim, a and you just swing goal. a peg at it, and it, it ends up in the top corner, and you go off. I wouldn't know, mate. So I think to 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 line that up. And yes, he did it so much time, but he also had so much time that he could have taken it onto his right foot, and he didn't. He had the confidence to absolutely leather it left peg. The trajectory was beautiful. That is just like an arrow. Uh, for me, that was uh, that was the, the goal of the weekend. But it, it's not a bad way to um, to earn a team three points. And any other week, it probably would have gotten gotten in it. But we had a we had a couple of crackers. So, um, but Sydney FC yeah, got over the line, um, and they remain. They remain a threat. Um, they were my tip to take out the title, and I still think they've got they've got it about them. But they're missing uh, one of their marquee pickups, um, and we we spoke about that in preseason as well. The uh, 
the man who just cannot stay fit, uh, Shem De Jong, has got a hammy. May, maybe come back this weekend. Uh, there's talk of that, but he's just going to keep breaking down, and they, they, they're, they've maybe wasted a marquee spot on him um, compared to what they had last season with Adrian. Um, he, I think he's a he's a massive loss for them from what I've seen Sydney this year. Mirzievski just gave them so much. So much flair and flexibility in the forward line. I like, I like Ninkovic, but I think Ninkovic benefited from having a bit more space last year um, because people were so worried about Merzhevsky. I think they have to play slightly different now um, than they did with Bobo. Uh, Adam Lafondra is more of a, a poacher than, than, a, than a target man or a, you know, a, they're a different type of player. And obviously the David Kearney effect isn't there anymore, so maybe that's what the real issue is. <laughs> and the Matt Simon effect. Well, well, Cork has yes. made it very clear that they, they need to recruit in, in January. And there's a lot of rumours circulating that one of them is Mitch Duke back to Sydney FC at the moment. Vaughan is another. Braden's just been put on the transfer list. The Ferris has been put on the transfer Bruce market. Bruce market. He was in town last yeah. night. Yeah. Uh, so there's, um, there's a lot of uh, rumours circling around and they're not short of cash, so I'm sure they'll... But it'd be just interesting to see where they, where they where how they change their dynamic if they do pick up the striker because Lafondra is scoring goals so obviously he's going to play but do you then go with an out-and-out striker alongside him or do you bring in a bit past striker who's going to have to play that role uh yeah so they may have to j- shake things up a little bit um over the christmas period um we're going to gloss over the um next one the melbourne victory for us just city wonders now again because it hasn't um, been spoken enough enough no oh, it's not my fault I haven't said it all right donna you've got your yeah, two minutes no i seriously I um, actually didn't, I had to watch the game at 11 o'clock at night, so I didn't check the score, didn't know anything, came home and watched it. And oh, the love fest was still going on. Box I know, it was, it was actually, it was fantastic. Um, hey, it was an absolute, like, Barbarossa's Honda. We can talk about it all day, but you know what? We've oh, we, we've been talking about it for a Let's week. Let's talk about the fact that Honda, we've won 4-0, we've played a great game, Muskie executed that starting lineup, executed everything, and Honda was still not. He was not complacent. He was not happy. And that interview that he did with, I think it was 10 Sport, um, was unbelievable. He was not complacent. He was like, no, I want more. I, I like Honda. I think he's been fantastic as a player. I think he's doing great things. Yeah. Um, it's, it's what you want from a marquee player when you bring them in. Somebody that is actually going to speak to the media. And I think it's still an issue that a lot of journalists in Perth have with Castro. Um, is that he doesn't do enough media. He's not a face of, of the franchise, so to speak. Whereas Honda is putting himself out there, he's he's speaking great English, he's doing um, really good interviews, he's making an impression, and above all else, he's doing it on the pitch as well. He's scoring goals, he's not coming in just earning a cushy paycheck, he, he actually, you can see his desire out there, he wants to be on the ball all the time. Uh, he's a leader, he's a leader in the way he plays, and Victory are very lucky to have him, and I yeah. think we need five or six more of them around the league, um, not just Victory, I think we... You you need your you need players like this who are genuine marquees. The the word the, the term marquee has been bastardized to death over the past few years with some of the drivel that has been brought into the league. Guys picking up a paycheck who wouldn't make the second or third tier in some other competitions. This is a genuinely quality player who, yes, he may be in his thirties now, but he's he's still he's class. Look at look at his look at his CV, the clubs he's played for, and um, what he's done at international level, and he's playing in the league and he's absolutely bossing it. And we can. You want more of them. They're the, they're the marquees that you look around and you go, right, that's what a marquee fund is for. It's for somebody like that to come in and make a lasting impression on the league. It's to be able to take... They got a little bit of criticism today, but for the A-League to be able to advertise that Honda is going to Eden Park to play a game in Wellington, that's big. That's, that's, why you, that's what your marquee should be for. And people were saying, oh, you're making this game about Honda. Well, yes, because we've spent a shitload of money on them. We're going to use his name to, to sell games. That's what he's there for. And I think they are dead right to do it. And they can actually do it because he's playing well. If Honda yeah. was playing terribly, the replies would be, well, what are you bigging him up for? He's been crap. But because he's, so, he's been so good, nobody can argue that you've got to mar- market this, his, his ability and, and his name. And they're doing that. And I think it's, yeah. it's really, really good. He's been great, not just in Melbourne, though, but when he's in Cambodia and he's visiting and he's coaching over there, He's promoting the A-League over there. Like, I don't know if you guys saw, but he was handing out little Melbourne Victory shirts to um, this Cambodian local side. He was just giving them out. He's promoting it everywhere, and he's doing it in his own way as well. He did a funny thing when he arrived back from Cambodia, 
and he put the paparazzi's following me and he got someone to take photos of him arriving well, to Amy Park. On his own phone. Yeah, on <laughs> home. And he's, he's using it and he's doing it well. He's not... He's, it's not about him. He actually, you can see that he genuinely cares that he wants. I think he's very business savvy. Um, exactly. He's got his brand and he's he's he's, he's growing the brand and he's doing it in in a fairly intelligent way. But we're benefiting from it Absolutely. as a league and as a competition. And I think, as I said, if we had five or six more of them floating about the different markets, one in Sydney, one in Brisbane, one in Adelaide, one in Perth, whatever, a genuine international quality player a recognizable name like no disrespect to, to say somebody like castro but no one in the uk knows who diego castro is unless they're following the a-league no one in holland knows who he is because he, yes he played la league at the whole lot but honda is is a level above in terms of name it, it's a name that is recognizable in those markets so when it pops up on the news the honda score from elvin victory and they won four nil or whatever the headline may be you're more likely to get that footage shown around the world than you are when Diego Castro does it in Perth because they're just on that different level in terms of their reputation. If we can get a few more players with a similar reputation to Honda who have the ability still and the desire to, to succeed, I think that would improve the, uh, the standard of competition alone. I think alone. that's something the FFA should focus on for next season is we've got Honda, it's worked, he's doing well, he's playing well. What's going to stop them to... Well, well, especially if they're not going to expand. Exactly. Um, you Use need to money. freshen the competition somehow. And yeah. people are getting, we're seeing attendances are going down um, at the moment. And a lot of that is to do with the staleness. Sick of playing Wellington three times a season. Sick of seeing this player go to that club victory against again. Sydney yeah. FC four times a year because they play each other in finals as well. And if they get each other in the FFA Cup final, it's five times in a season. Absolutely. Sick of seeing those two teams. I'm sick of the term big blue. I hate it as it is. And it's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's there. But I need, we need something. We need something to freshen yeah, it up. And if that's not going to be two or four new teams in the in the short term, we need to find the money from somewhere, whether it's through businesses or whatever. As you say, the Honda model has been proven to work. Maybe there's a business that would like to piggyback it and get the next player in. Like yeah. somebody put up two million to get Del Piero in and, and he was getting his money. If we can do a little and bit again, of that. And he was a great ambassador when he was here. He was yeah. out there every time, every way like, he could, with every fan, with every media outlet. ADP was out there. But And you've got the person that was also behind bringing him, Tony, you know, behind you. So maybe this year is a... Let's fix what needs to be fixed, and next year let's focus on bringing someone here because I think that Perth could really benefit from someone like a Honda here, and like a William. G Sorry. <laughs> and then you speak to like you hear from Ola that um, at, Ola Sivanen, yeah, and another he's great like, player. He's like, I came, I spoke to Del Pierre. The players are talking that have played in the league, so it's not like it's don't go there. I, I'm so conflicted because I want Victory to lose every game, but I want Honda to do well. It's it's really it's pulling up my pulling me in different directions yeah, at the moment. Over the first one, mate. Yeah, <laughs> but but I think Toivonen is another one who um, who's not who's not got the reputation that the Honda has, no. obviously. But he's coming back off a World Cup with and scoring with Sweden. Um, good player, good player, good age, and you can see the quality he's got now that he's he's starting to get fit. And I think come the new year, if he has no more injury setbacks, he's gonna he's gonna rip the league up with the supply he's getting. I think he's so good. He's a uh, I always rate him. I rate him as a player, but never as a goal scorer. If that makes sense, I always thought he was like a like a good support striker, yeah. bring other players into play, hold the ball up. But I think at this level, he's got goal, lots of goals, and you can well. see it happening on the pitch. So, already, so no, he's great. good. But yeah. I have to. We have to also throw in the the caveat here that Western Sydney Wanderers were dreadful. They were horrible. As their coach said, it was boys against men from the first minute. Oh, and miserable. I'm not sure why. And I was watching, and I'm. They gave us way too much respect on that pitch. They were just, it was like they were scared. And yes, tactically, Muskie absolutely outplayed them. And yes, our players are better than them. But I did not I did not expect a scoreline that big. I actually didn't well, that. The, so. I, I probably noticed about quite early on what, what, what I think the issue was. And it's, it's Western Sydney's soft centre. Um, you've, got, you've, got you've got a nice little playmaker in there. But behind them, you've got Bacchus and you've got O'Donnell. Or um, O'Doherty, sorry, O'Doherty, and they're just not up to it. Uh, they're they're you're, you're putting them up against Honda and against Carol Valeri. Sorry, they're, they're going to get bullied um, for for the game. And that's every time there was a breakdown and victory were were on the counter attack. 
you could see that those two guys were lost and they needed they need an experienced head alongside one of them if they're going to play that system but you can't have two kids like that two younger players too fair not no international experience really to to, to draw on coming up against a genuine superstar of the league and they're just going to even Toivon him when he dropped deep was winning headers standing still Antonis you know it's yeah ripping Anto them to shreds Oriol Riera got absolutely hammered in that match yeah he did it should have been he should, there should have been yeah, a couple of yellow cards um, more than there was yeah. you could see that they were getting angry and you could see they were losing their patience because they just weren't doing anything that was worth watching and you could see it because they were just hacking in and yeah Riera has that he does that quite Rier, often. Rier is a good player. He's a he's very, a very player. good player. I think he's a very um, good player, but a lot of people seem to disagree with that sentiment that I have. But he was, again, non-existent. But he's isolated, horribly isolated. And I, and I think that he's... I wouldn't be surprised if they lost him um, back to Spain in uh, in January if, if things go as they, they are. Uh, I, just, I just think he's... He's shown genuine frustration. I think I said at the start of the season that I thought Marcus Babel might be their kind of X factor in the way that he sets up his side, and I haven't seen much in terms of tactical kind of. Um, no, and moves it is quite it is quite early it. to to judge him, but going on from that performance on the weekend again, the, as Neil has said, you've got these young lads playing against the experience of Carl Valeri, the experience of Terry Antonis, the experience of Honda, of all um, Raúl um, Bayena. You've got these names that. They're playing up against, and I just think that they just simply went up to it. Well, just Park to go, the bus, mate. Just to go back to our, uh, our preview pod, I did tip Western Sydney Wanderers to be the flops this year. I don't know where I tipped them. I think I tipped them to be tipped. Oh, I'm pretty sure I tipped them bottom or half. second last. They were, or they were my big flop this year, and they're doing me proud. Brisbane were mine. <laughs> doing me proud. The final game was the Sunday game. We already mentioned briefly that there was a worldly of a goal in here from Luke Bratton, but Melbourne City, despite their turmoil and the um, the fact that they refused to show Bruno Fornaroli on the big screen as he sat in the stands, um, they cruised to a 3-0 win over the Jets. Now, a bit of a surprising um, scoreline here, whatever about the win, um, the Jets, uh, Lane, disappointing. Yeah, I've um, the Jets have uh, seemed to have fallen off a little bit for me um, since last mm. season. I think at the the start we said I, I said that they might still have a little bit in them, but um, especially with the return of um, Vargas and and those kind of players coming back, they're missing um, Roy O'Donovan terribly. But we also that. what did we mention in the preseason podcast that was going to be the big factor to uh, to Newcastle Jets falling off? Remind no, me. No nabs. Uh, Andrew Naboo there gone. That was that. What he was the catalyst for their roaring start last year, and they did drop off a little bit after he left in the in after Christmas and in the new year. And now we're seeing that they also aren't helped. To be fair, by the um, the absence of Roy O'Donovan, who will give them at least a focal point in the attack when he comes back from his suspension. But he's got another what three games maybe to run. Two back. weeks. Are we round six is now? Round six. Round six. Yeah, eight weeks. Yeah. Right. So he's got a couple of weeks back to just run. Before Christmas. Back and yeah, and and then but then then he's just, then he's a striker that's <laughs> going to have to to get uh, points and match fitness, and that could take another two or three weeks. So you could be looking at half the season gone before Donovan gets up to speed, and will they? Well, you're never too far away from the uh, the six. You can you can always sneak in there. <laughs> You'll always get there, um, but maybe to make a run for the uh, the top spots. But that that was a disappointing loss um, for them. Definitely, I think they uh, they will be pretty um, pretty good at, to uh, to have gone down so sheepishly in, in that one. Um, we've got games obviously coming up this week. The Friday game is. Oh, I've just looked at it and gone. I'm not, how am I meant to sell this? Uh, Western Sydney Wanderers against the Central Coast Mariners. Yeah, let's get that one out of the way early. Um, that's that's the Friday night game. Is it? Um, and it's at Spotless Stadium as well. God, there's really but no pick a winner. There's no redeeming. Pick a winner. Pick a winner. This is why we needed Usain Bolt so Go. we could sell games like this. It's a draw. Uh, a draw. I, I actually think the Mariners could Yeah, I think Mariners maybe two. If the Mariners, Mariners yeah. played a good 20 minutes against Sydney, so just by that The problem for the Mariners is that they're just on a, again, this is what my, my problem with them was at the, at the outset, is that their defence is just dreadful. It's absolutely woeful. There is very few redeeming features to it. So I think they'll always concede goals, and it's just a case of if they can score two or three to actually win a game. Um, they nearly did it in Perth. <laughs> yeah, they nearly did it in Perth. They got two there, but it still wasn't enough because their defense is rubbish. So they're always going to leak. Um, Saturday, it's Sydney FC playing host to the Wellington Phoenix. Uh, I think we're going to go home win on that one. Yeah, I'll go for Sydney on that one. Fine. 
I'd like to see Wellington do Well, I Me know too. you would like to. That's nice then, Sydney, but mm, well, I... Let's be real. Sydney's going to beat them. Yeah, I don't know. I might go for a draw. Okay. Just go on the optimistic side. Saturday night game, um, 4.50pm for us in the West. Melbourne victory in Adelaide United. That little rivalry thing that they have going on over mm, there. I'll go for a draw with that one. It's going to be a tough game for us, I think. Is that home for you? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Um, um, at Marvel Stadium. Marvel Stadium. Evidently. I, Marvel I, Stadium. Terrible stadium with a terrible, terrible stadium. I, Move out. Yeah, get, get Move terrible out. I, think, I don't think we've got much left on the list there. Oh, it's, it's Another awful. five years or something. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's absolutely awful. I, I know they try to get the games there out of the way early in the season. We do. And well, I appreciate do. that, but Jesus crap to watch. Like you're you're yeah. talking about Melbourne Victory, the biggest club in the league. Biggest membership base, and that you see hordes of empty stands. It's just a, it's just a really yeah. bad look. Um, Seagulls Stadium is much better. They, they protested on the weekend. Evidently, the Seagulls. They went in. They didn't show up for. Probably the roof closed. Couldn't get in. They <laughs> locked out. Uh, it's, it's it's dreadful. But yeah, they're um they're Saturday. Um, then the game after that is obviously our own. It's Perth Glory and mm. Melbourne City. Seven p.m. kickoff at NIB Stadium. How we think this one's going to fare? I'm going to go 2 1 to City. Get yeah. um, out. 2 1 Perth. <laughs> uh, he's kicking me out of my own house, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I, um, I think Glory got a wake up call last week. And I think they can do this one 3 1. Um, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm waiting on some some goals uh, from from a few different players. Uh, like I, I think your fringe players. We've seen goals from Economides. We've seen goals from Kyo. Great. They, they've been they've been banging them in. Um, but your your fringe players need to step up a little bit more. Like they, the two guys have scored what eight goals between them, and Gloria scored twelve in total. So only four goals have come from elsewhere. One was Larry Header. Uh, who else has scored this Castro season? Castro scored on the weekend. Castro got one. Larry, yeah, that's it. Chinese, he got one. Yeah, yeah, it gets victory. Yeah. Round yeah. two. Yeah, and then there's one more which I can't remember. Well, whatever. Um, yeah, so it'd be nice if if somebody else could, and even if it was a bench player like a Chris Harrell coming on maybe yeah. or, or something like that, just to spread the goals around a little bit more and, and show that they're, they're not just relying on those two guys up front. Um, but yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, will we see Castro start? I don't think he's ready. Yeah, I would like to see him coming earlier on the weekend because I thought when I'd he came on the game yeah. change, but it took him a good 10 minutes to get into it. But yeah, possibly yeah. a half. Minute. 55, 60 minutes. Yeah, come, come on, on this yeah, week. That's what maybe. I think. And then maybe yeah. next week. I'd probably but, uh, start. Depends him. on how the game's going, I guess. I don't think we'll see too many changes to the to the starting lineup, um, especially given that we've we've clearly established the the the, uh, the preferred eleven as well as the tactics. He's not going to really waver on that. So Dino Gilditch will, will probably stay as part of that back three. What's happened to Walter Scott? Is he getting a game for the youth at the moment? Or well, he's only been on the bench, yeah, briefly. So yeah, I I I think going with three centre backs. Look, I think if anything happened to Davidson, um, he would be he would be next in line to go from straight bypass the sort of bench and go in. But if you're playing three centre backs, um, you you probably don't need um just a guy who can cover one wing back position on your subs bench. Yeah, because if you think about it, Harold could play as a wing back if you needed to. So there's cover for Franic and and potentially Davidson as well, Chinese, Ferreira. They would uh, if you're playing wing backs. I think if you were playing an out and out back four, um, you'd have Scott on as your as your cover for left back, sure. But if you're having a bit more of an adventurous left sided player, um, you've got enough cover that you probably don't need to waste. And I use that term loosely, a uh, bench spot. And this is where I would like to see the A League extend the bench to seven, like the Premier League. There you can have a Walter Scott on on the bench, and if you're two three nil up, you use one of your subs on a kid. He still gets the benefit of being a part of the match day squad. You see, and I'll take my own team, Manchester City in the Premier League, Phil Foden, Bram Diaz, players like that, they don't they're they're used when City are three 0 up and they get on and they get a run. It'd be nice if 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 clubs had the option of that further extended bench. Because pre I know we only got it extended in recent years, which previously it was three outfield subs and a goalkeeper, and now it's four. But I think they can go that that step a little bit further. Um, but yeah, I think I don't think we'll see too many changes to the starting eleven. I wouldn't be surprised if it's unchanged. And um, we don't know what the status with Wanda is. Probably find that out um, closer to the to the game and when the um the the, the training um post post training interviews and whatnot come out. Last game is the Sunday game. It's uh, it's Newcastle Jets and Brisbane Roar. Both sides really need a result here. I think it's fair to say. I think it's going to be a draw. Yeah, I'll go draw as well. Go draw. And yeah. they'll both lose ground on the, 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 tops, the top teams again. I'm going to pick Newcastle at home. Okay. 
All right, on that wonderful note, we're going to wrap up the uh, the podcast. As I mentioned earlier on, the guys will be outside NIB Stadium. Whereabouts? Um, behind the old stand. Behind the old entrance. stand at, at the at full time. Getting some fan reactions, having a chat to, to see what people uh, thought of the game and the season as a whole. If, uh, see if we can do some more celebrity spotting uh, after Donna's run in with Daniel Kerr um, last week. Um, yeah, so if you're if you're around, pop by, say hello, give your thoughts. And we'll, uh, we'll we'll make you Facebook famous. Um, <laughs> in the meantime, you can get us on Facebook at Farpost Perth, Twitter also Farpost Perth, and you I'm sure you can guess what the Instagram is. Yep, it's also Farpost Perth. So that's gonna, that's where we are. Uh, be sure to chat, have a have a give us some feedback on the podcast if you like it, hate it, whatever. Um, we'll just not reply to you if you hate it. It's cool. <laughs> But no, thanks to everybody for listening and we'll be back uh, soon enough with another podcast and hopefully another Perk Glory player will be on to chat with us.